Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Sports Plus Podcast. I'm Corey Miller here with Andy Muller, Matt Hicks, and Hannah Yates. We got a whole lot today to get to, so let's jump right in. We'll talk some Cardinals because I can't talk enough Cardinals right now. We're sitting here recording on a Monday, and the Cardinals have the best record in the National League. Honestly, I'm pretty optimistic, and that's still wild to say, I think. Uh, I don't think many people thought that would be the case right now. Coming off a sweep of the Rockies, Ahmad, just how good is this vibe right now in St. Louis for the Cardinals? I think everybody is loving it. This is all what we talked about all offseason, especially after the Cardinals acquired Nolan Arenado. I mean, the talk around town was our starting rotation was good enough to go deep in the games where the offense could help, you know, propel them to victory. Uh, and I think that's exactly what we're seeing right now. I know I'm thrilled as a sportscaster. You have a lot of highlights to talk about, whether it's pitching, you know, one guy dominating, going complete games or eight and one thirds or, you know, stuff like that. So I, I, I love it. And I think the, the fans around town love it. Everybody's wearing Cardinal gear right now, and um, they're all, you know, talking about it on social media. It's a great time to be a Cardinals fan. I tell you, I feel kind of – we're recording this on Monday, like I said. I feel kind of lost without a game tonight. I've, I've settled into that usually midseason groove. Okay, there's a Cardinal game every night, 7 o'clock. It's going to be there. No, it's not, especially when they're going good. It doesn't feel right. Uh, a whole lot we can get to from this past week, but – We'll start with Wainwright and Molina from Mother's Day, the two oldest players in the National League, still getting it done. Wainwright almost finishing off the complete game shutout. Yachty still leading the cards in almost every offensive category coming off that injury. Uh, He showed up on Mother's Day, too, two doubles in front of his mom in the stands uh, with that great pink gear he was wearing. That was fun. Hannah, just another memory from this pair. They just keep delivering. Yeah, it's unbelievable, honestly, to just watch them continuously turn back the clock. And it's like one has a good game, the other has a good game. It's always a complete match there. And so a couple base hits for Yachty yesterday in front of his family, like you mentioned. His mom doesn't get to come to many games. So he talked about how special that was. And Adam Wainwright, everyone saw it for themselves, eight and a third. So it was just fantastic to watch that. But I think my favorite part, which I'm sure you guys all got to chuckle out of it too, is in post-game. And Yachty was asked about Wayno doing what he does at nearly 40 years old, turning 40 in a few months. And he's like, jokingly, what's wrong with being 40? I mean, both of them, you just can't, you just can't get enough of it. There's just humor and there's excitement. It just brings a lot to this team right now. He dropped a little subtle hit that hint in there that nobody's really talking about either. Just casually, uh, I don't know how much longer I'm going to do this. Probably one or two more years. And then he just kept on with the Mother's Day stuff. I know. I heard that, too. I was like, wait a second. This is something here. Hey, he's feeling so good. He just want to keep riding it. I, I don't blame him. The, the catchers waiting behind him might have something to say about that. But uh, they're going to keep rolling. Andy, there's a lot of guys we could spotlight right now. But let's shine it on Tommy Edmond this week. The Cardinals' second baseman. He has the second most war wins above replacement accumulated this year of all position players in the entire National League. Tommy Edmond has that. He just sets the tone at the top, first in the NL and hits. I mean, the big guys get the love, but Tommy Edmond has really been getting it done this year. Uh, yes, he has. And, you know, the thing I like about him is he just he just goes on about his business, uh, you know, and, and the old cliche, he acts like he's been there before. Uh, nothing seems to phase him. You put him wherever you want, uh, you know, in the field and he performs, uh, you know, he's, he's consistent at the top of the lineup, which is what you want from a leadoff hitter. Um, you know, he sets, he sets the tone and you've got to appreciate that. 
it was a, a fun series against the Rockies. Lots of cool moments. Arenado going off against his old team. The Mother's Day, uh, Wayno Yachty connection we already talked about. But honestly, my favorite was probably Jack Flaherty hitting his first career home run off his old buddy, Austin Gomber. Uh, they're going to be talking about that till they're 90 years old for sure. Never going to let him forget it. Also, don't look now, but Jack Flaherty might be the hottest pitcher in baseball, one of them at least. 6-0 and to start the year, uh, 2.83 ERA. In his last 26 innings, he's only given up six runs and struck out 26 with an ERA right around two. Ahmad, Flaherty is just rolling right now. Yeah, I mean, and he's doing it, and he's commanding his pitches when he goes out there. He's confident. He's placing them where he wants to place them. I think it's fun to watch this guy because he plays with a lot of passion, and he's also one of those, like, guys that uses a lot of stuff for motivation, whether it's social media, whether it's, you know, the the media saying this and that. I think he uses all of that to his advantage, and I think you had to he had to listen to an, an entire offseason about how He's not the ace the Cardinals need or the Cardinals need to send Jack Flaherty off. Last year, he was inconsistent. You know, his good days are behind him. He had to listen to that all last year. And I think he's going out there and he's telling everybody like, all right, I won my arbitration. I'm doing what I have to do. Will you guys be quiet now? Like, I think that's what we're seeing. He's proven why he is worth winning that arbitration so far. Andy, the Cardinals have beat up on some bad competition like Colorado and Pittsburgh. So while we're feeling great, it is uh, kind of a look at the whole picture and who they've beat so far. And now it gets tougher. Milwaukee and San Diego and a Padres Sunday night baseball game that I can't wait for. Just how big of a week is this to really see if these guys are for real or not? I think it's a, it's a good week to assess where this team is at this point. Uh, you alluded to, the, to what they've been doing, 15 and 6 against the teams that they're supposed to beat. And that's, that's okay. And they're six and eight against the teams, the you know, the tougher competition, and so you know they're hovering around that five uh, that five hundred mark, you know against the against the the better teams in the league, and so you know if you can do that, you're kind of doing what the Cardinals are doing right now. You're maintaining a six sixty seven winning percentage, that's going to win you a lot of divisions and uh, and perhaps carry you far in the playoffs, especially with how this Central Division is looking. I think that's. Uh... That should at least be the, the bottom of what they're shooting for. Let's move on, talk about the other big news this past week in baseball, obviously. The Angels designating Albert Pujols for assignment in his final year of his mega deal there probably set off an internet storm in St. Louis, as you'd expect. I think, honestly, I think we probably got more online traffic in St. Louis and chatter, <clears throat> excuse me, and chatter about this than they did out in California. I would not be surprised at all. I hate to rain on everybody's parade because the general sentiment has been bringing back no matter what. And that's people getting caught up in their emotions. And I tend to do that every once in a while, but it just doesn't make sense for the team. It doesn't make sense for him. Hannah talk Cardinals fans off the ledge right here, man. I just, I, I mean, it personally got a lot of excitement hearing this news as a St. Louis native, obviously, um, but I just don't, I don't know. I just don't see this happening. I think there was chatter. You even heard that rumor where it's like, oh, we'll bring him in for one day, just have him play in one game. And then he's done so that he can retire as a Cardinal. But it's like, what's, you know, what's the likeliness of this actually happening? I don't see it happening. I haven't heard much else since, but I mean, I, I think it's just a lot of excitement for Cardinals fans who have all of those memories of him over the years and, and what that would mean. Um, for them just to see him retire a Cardinal. But I mean, like you said, I just, I don't see the likeliness here. 
Pools is going to have to change his outlook from what's been reported if if any kind of match is in the cards. Ahmad and I talked about the Pujols news ad nauseum in our Cardinals weekly show this past week, so I'm going to give us a break. Andy, apparently the White Sox have also said they're not interested, but I think we're all hoping he gets to go out on better terms than what just happened. What do you think is next? Well, I think that's kind of up for him to decide um, because he's going to have to, you know, the hardest thing for a superstar athlete is to be able to, you know, rationally decide, okay, this is, this is where the end is. Albert wants to play full time and, you know, it's not happening. The, the, there may be one or two teams maybe in the league that could, that could find a spot to play him. Um, but that's not a good, uh, that's not a good percentage. So at some point, I think he's probably going to have to come to the realization that, you know, maybe this is, maybe this is where it, maybe this is where it ends. And, uh, you know, as for bringing him back out, you know, if the Cardinals uh, are, you know, have solidified something as far as the postseason goes and the rosters, like Frank mentioned last night, expand to 40, I could see bringing him in for the, you know, the last month, the last, you know, the last week or whatever, so that, uh, especially if they, you know, I haven't looked at, ahead at the schedule, but, you know, rack up those home games and give Cardinal Nation a chance to send him off the way they'd like to. Maybe if he still doesn't have a deal by then sitting around when rosters expand, he'll finally realize, well, this might be it. So if they're uh, offering me to come back for a couple of weeks, that might be worth it. That would definitely you know, be fun. It's, 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 a, it's a simple case of, you know, great athletes are audacious. They are going to do things regardless of what you tell them they can't do. But at some point, you know, the body sort of betrays you. And so uh, that's a hard realization to have to come to. And maybe, you know, Albert's going to have to have a, have a summer, you know, where he has a come to come to Albert meeting and realize (laughs) that he's, that he's just not, he's just not going to be able to do what he once did. I like that. I like that. Uh, let's move on. Talk some hockey. It was also a big past week for the Blues as they managed to hang on, clinch that final playoff spot in the NHL's West Division. That's sponsored by somebody. But to be honest, I haven't put forth the brain space to memorize who sponsors that division. Uh, it was a grind that a lot of the time looked like it wasn't going to happen, but it finally did. I'm on now that they're in. Does that just feel like relief? Yeah. I mean, I oh, well, I mean. Kind of, yeah, because you're like, all right, they're in. Now we have to worry about who they're going to play. I think they got a little bit of confidence now. Uh, you know, the other day, their first regular season uh, regulation loss since April 22nd. So I think this team is confident uh, right now, which is key, you know, to make a deep Stanley Cup run. Um, so happy that they're in, uh, but the work is just now beginning, I mean, for, for the Blues, as we all know. It's kind of wild how at the beginning of the year, if, I think if you would have told people, oh, the Blues barely just snuck in and got that fourth seed, you go, well, that's not nearly good enough. But then the season happens, and now we're sitting here like, well, all right, oh, okay, we'll take it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> last week of the season is going to be kind of weird. Not every team playing the same amount of games. Most teams just gearing up for the playoffs now, like the Blues maybe trotting out guys uh, to see what they've got if they want to put them on that playoff roster. Hannah, what do they really need to figure out before the playoffs arrive if they want a chance? 
I think it's a multitude of things. They think you finally have a solid starting goaltender in net. Um, Jordan Bennington's been a lot more consistent, but you saw what happened. If the Blues are to face Vegas, what would happen if Billy Huso takes the net for any reason? Um, I think there's maybe some question mark there, but I think it's also in terms of defense. Tory Krug's supposed to return to the lineup tonight, but this is a different decor than what we saw in the Stanley Cup run. That was a super big physical decor. Now you've lost most of those guys. It's kind of turned into more of that skill and speed. And we've seen that that hasn't worked in all of these games. And granted, you were missing Colton Franco there too. But I think that plays a big part in, in having just some cohesion defensively, making sure that your veteran players are scoring on an everyday night and that things are clicking. I think that they're still working through some team chemistry. There's more confidence there, but I think it's kind of an overall effort at that point, just effort and resiliency for full 60 minutes. It's looking increasingly likely like it's going to be Vegas, who they face in the first round there. Vegas could clinch the number one scene in their next game and the President's Trophy. Uh, Andy, give me any kind of reason for optimism here of the Blues going up against the Golden Knights. Well, the Blues have a nucleus that knows how how to get the job done. They know what it takes to get to the playoffs. Executing it is an entirely different thing. Uh, <laughs> and but at some point, um, you know, teams that are great in the regular season uh, sometimes run into bumps in the road in the you know when the playoffs start. So you know, I I hate to have to pin our hopes on it, but you just are going to have to hope that the you know, the situation kind of plays itself out, you know, where the Blues just kind of hope to hang with them uh, for the, you know, certainly the first two games in Vegas, maybe get a break or two and then and then bring it back home, you know, bring it back home. So, um, you know, I'm not optimistic, but of course I wasn't optimistic. Uh, what was it a month ago? And look where we are now. So, you it's know, so. yeah, they do. But they just need to find find some chemistry, find some cohesion and get a break or two. We've seen some weird things happen and uh, seven game series right off the bat. So, hey, who knows? It's the Blues. I'm never going to count them out until they're <laughs> completely underground. So we'll see. Now let's talk just a bit about the guy we're going to hear from here soon. David Backus, just a really awesome, awesome tribute when he was in town with the Ducks. Likely his last game in the NHL. He's uh, kind of beating around the bush, but I think you really could tell this is it. Uh, the Blues always do tributes the right way, but man, it was just perfect. The interview afterwards was great too. You had Darren Pang crying in the booth interviewing. You had Backus crying on the bench. Hannah, it's still a shame he never got to raise a cup in St. Louis, but man, what a career. Absolutely. Um, I think that was a, a great send off of that is the last time and it seems like it will be that he laces up his skates in St. Louis, but I think he just did so much for this organization, a lot of things even off the ice that I don't think people are super familiar with he still does a lot of charity work here with his wife, um, you know, with all of the animals the adoption just different things that he did here that still uh, runs strong and, and he just loves the city and I think that he had a fantastic career on the ice and off the ice. He'll forever go down as one of those gritty captains in the Blues history. He played into the identity of this organization. He did so much good for the fans and for the organization of the St. Louis Blues team. David, but definitely one of the most popular guys I've seen in my in my time watching St. Louis sports, except for that uh, that pesky little couple weeks there in June of uh, 2019 when. Uh, he was out there making hits against them in the Stanley Cup final. I'm actually going to – I'm going to circle around real quick here. Our last thing, Ahmad, was pretty down on the Blues 
uh, a couple weeks ago, and now he's <laughs> so I gotta ask Ahmad what he's thinking as the playoffs near. And, and Vegas looks like the opponent. All right. Is it the optimist or the pessimist winning out right now? Um, uh, that's a tough one. You're putting me on the spot right now. I know a lot of people listening to this are going to be like, why don't we listen to this guy? But um, I'm still I'm still thinking it's a first round exit. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I think it's a first round exit. I'm not optimistic with this club just yet, just because I just don't think that on the offensive side of things, I think the Blues show have proved that they can be really good on certain nights, but I don't think that they have it every single night, especially in a seven-game series with Vegas. I mean, that's just my opinion. I wish they proved me wrong because we love content, and if they can play, you know, into the second and third round, that's great for us. We have content for more a couple of more weeks, but uh, I still think it's a one-and-done for them. Yeah, you heard it here, folks. What's his Twitter? Is it at Ahmad Hicks? Go uh, Blues fans, angry Blues fans, I can direct you to Twitter and Ahmad Hicks' uh, Twitter feed. Please go tell him how upset you are with his prediction. I like to engage with my, my, my followers, so that's okay. We can have some conversations. That's what it's all about. And as I just alluded to, David Backus is our guest for our Spotlight interview this week. He joined Frank Cusimano before his emotional send-off last week to talk about his career, Blues memories, and what might come next. Here's Frank and David Backus from Sports Plus. And it's our pleasure to welcome to the program, David Backus. David, I can remember like it was yesterday. In San Jose, after game six, you were in tears. You guys had just lost a grueling series, and you had beaten the Blackhawks in seven. You really thought that that was going to be the team to win it all, didn't you? I did. We finally broke through that barrier that seemed to keep us uh, down. We ran into so many good teams in the second round and uh you know we finally got into that conference final and we were rolling and um yeah i thought that was the year and um unfortunately it wasn't and and thus the interview with the the tears and all the emotions pouring out of me when you walked out of the locker room that night was there a part of you that thought this was my last game as a member of the blues i think my thought you know was layered on top of the pain of, of losing out and, and that dream of what I thought was coming true that year to win a Stanley Cup um, not happening. I thought it could have been my last game as a Blue. I was hoping it wouldn't be, but um, you know, I knew there was some business to take care of that summer. And the amazing thing that summer when you did take care of the business, it was at Alex Petrangelo's wedding rehearsal when you agreed to turn for the Bruins, right? It was, and then uh, we were at the Cardinals game, I think, later that day, and people of St. Louis gave me a, a standing ovation, and I had just signed with a different team out of town. So uh, it just showed me how much people cared and, and appreciated my time here, and, and that was definitely um, reciprocal, and I loved every minute of being a St. Louis Blue and being in the city. So that's where it ended for you with the Blues. It began for you with the Blues December 19th, 2000 in Pittsburgh with mom and dad there. And you get an assist on one of your first shifts. That must have been one of the highlights of your life. It was. My first shift actually got took the puck down the wall and got crushed and uh, stood back up. Puck hit me in the body and went below the goal line. Radic Dvorak passed to Dougie Waite, scored a goal, and... Uh, that was shift one and we won that game. And, uh, you know, I, 
I'd like to say the rest is history, but there was a lot of uh, lessons learned along the way, some, some very difficult lessons, but uh, the process is a beautiful thing. And I've been so blessed to be an NHL hockey player for 15 years. David, what did it mean to you to put the C on? Well, there's, there's a lot of amazing players, amazing humans that have worn that C before me. Um, and I just wanted to carry on the legacy that was, uh, you know, started by some of those guys to wear that jersey so proudly and then to have that honor to, to lead the troops into, uh, onto the ice and, and off the ice. Uh, something I took very personally and very seriously and, and wanted to, you know, just do it justice, the, the responsibility that was put on me. David, I know you enjoyed all your time here in St. Louis, but the most fun you ever had the impression was playing with T.J. Osh. Yeah, Osh is uh, a nonstop energy guy that he made me look so good on so many nights and, uh, you know, him and Alex Steen both, they were just nonstop work ethic and uh, high hockey IQ and willing to bind together to get a job done. And I think it was tough for other teams' top lines to play against us because we were relentless. And, um, you know, TJ's uh, a dear friend of mine to this day and owe him a lot of uh, the credit I get for the success I've had. Let me get to the Stanley Cup Finals. Sammy Blay hits you first, then you hit him back in a real brutal way. And all of a sudden, David Backus, one of our most popular athletes in St. Louis, becomes almost public enemy number one. <laughs> well, uh, you know, in, in that series, it was, uh, you know, I love the city of St. Louis and I love the Blues, but uh, they were standing between me and, and living a different one of my dreams to hoist that cup. And so, uh, you know, Petro and I talked before that series. We were, we're really good friends, but we got to put that aside and do what we need to do to, to try to help our teams. And we'll, we'll, you know, pick up the pieces when it's all said and done. And, uh, you know, that's one of those instances there where we had to lay it on the line and, uh, you know, it was Sammy Blay instead of Petro. I might've probably got more equity out of it having that be Petro than, than Sammy Blay, but, uh, you know, so be it. And, you know, that's a beautiful part about the game where you go to battle and then you can have a mutual respect when it's all said and done. Could you talk trash with Petro during the uh, Stanley Cup Finals, during the game? Uh, yeah, I mean, I only played the first four. So when I was in there, I, I mean, obviously he's a huge part of, of the Blues' success that year. I was trying to keep him distracted, you know, the old uh, look over here and, and stop worrying about playing good hockey type of scenario. And, um, you know, didn't happen enough or long enough, you know, for my side. And, uh, turned out the you know the city and and the Blues got their cup that they'd waited over 50 years for and after a lot of the sting wore off and, and time heals wounds uh, you know there's certainly a, a happiness and a, a appreciation that the city did get the cup that they'd waited so long for. Yeah, I couldn't imagine a person going through the gamut of emotions more than you in that series. You didn't play in Game Seven and your team lost in Game Seven. Yet there's a part of you thinking, hey, St. Louis is a part of me and I feel kind of good about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Those good feelings didn't come on for a month or two when you started to put things in perspective. But, uh, you know, I always say that it feels like I was left with the bat on my shoulder after playing the first four games and it was a 2-2 series. And then I was 
retracted from the series and, um, you know, watched the rest of the way, including game seven, like you said, uh, you know, on top of the layers of being in my first Stanley Cup final in my 13th year in the league with, you know, the Bruins playing against a team that I'd poured my heart and soul into for 10 years. So a lot of layers. And, uh, you know, now it's, it's, it's the past and we can, we can talk it up and, and rekindle old memories and, uh, you know, add to the, to the infamous series that, that it became and, and a great series if you're just a hockey fan watching. The worst thing an athlete can have late in his career are regrets. And I imagine you don't have any. When you think about it, almost 250 goals, 1,200 penalty minutes, you wouldn't do anything differently, would you? No, I'm proud of the way I played. I think I left it all out there and, uh, you know, it wasn't always a popular thing, but I wanted to, uh, you know, at times get under people's skin and, and get a little rough out there to make a point and to lead the team that I was captaining. And, uh, you know, I'm, I don't have many regrets when playing the game and, uh, you know, the last two years I've been, I've been out of the lineup more than I've been in the lineup, but I feel like that's made me appreciate the moments even more and to, you know, live and love some of the hardships and some of the battles and some of the bumps and bruises, uh, because you, you realize that they're fleeting and someday you're going to look back on them and, um, you know, just be able to tell stories rather than be in the moment, live them and be able to make a difference in, in the best league in the world and being in, in the lineup. Because of your physical style, you had concussions. I'm wondering if you're at all concerned about the repercussions of those concussions one day. Uh, I was worried about the, the number of them. And, you know, you think of eight or 10 concussions over a 15 year career, if they're spaced out, does that matter? I think the science is still out on it. Um, I did go see, let's see, not this season, the season prior, uh, went to see a concussion specialist in Michigan and they did a HD MRI, my brain and all these cognitive tests. It was, you know, you think you're going to see a neurologist. It's going to be an hour appointment. Maybe at most it was three days worth of exercising and, you know, really testing me, putting me through the, the whole rigmarole. And he kind of said, some of these are, you know, concussions and some of these are probably not concussions and maybe migraines brought on by, uh, some heavy hits or, or some, you know, it, it sounds like there's some muddy water in there, but he said, your brain looks excellent. And he had no concerns about me getting back in and, and playing a physical style. So that gave me some peace with going out there and continuing to do what I uh, had been doing and, um, you know, not holding back. So that was a good checkup for me. If something does happen in the future, you know, I'm going to have to live with it. And, uh, you know, I think I'm, I wouldn't change anything and it's, it's all been worth it. And, um, you know, I'll continue to do things that he said would be weighing things in my favor and eating healthy and continuing to, uh, you know, learn and have an active brain because uh, all those things weigh the odds in your favor to, to have a successful outcome mentally when you're, when you're done with playing competitive sports. How did you balance your faith with your really rugged style? Well, you can, you can uh, run a guy through the boards and then, uh, you know, maybe say a prayer for him after the game. But, uh, I, you know, I've, I've had that conversation with a lot of chaplains and just like, how do we, how do we balance that, um, you know, servanthood that we're called to uh, with faith and, and also 
you know, going out and playing rugged and playing hard. And, um, you know, I think I was given God given abilities to play hockey and, um, you know, I do everything to the fullest extent and my competitors agree to the rules when they start. And, uh, there's, there's certainly penalties for, for stepping outside the lines and, um, you know, I never wish to injure somebody I'm playing against, but it's a reality of the game and, and sometimes it happens and, um, you know, it's always in a respectful manner. And that's, that's a beautiful part about this game we play. We don't want hatred to be a part of our lives. All the great playoff series, particularly the seven game ones, there seems to be honest hatred between the two teams. Yes, there is. Uh, you know, that team that's in Illinois, certainly on the top of that list. Um, but there's a respect factor, I think, that still you hate them, you want to beat them at all costs, but you don't wish them to, you know, have a terrible ending or serious injury, you, you know, a broken bone's not something to, uh, you know, too bad. I don't think to wish on somebody that they just can't play the rest of the series and you get the edge and, and, you know, send them into a summer where they can heal their bodies and all the pain you've inflicted on them for, for the next year, but you can move on to the next round. So when you are officially retired, whether it's the end of this season or next season, Give me an idea on what's next. I've always thought if David Backus wanted to get into television, he could have a job like that, but you may be too smart for TV. Oh, I, I appreciate that praise, but uh, I don't know. I, we've, Kelly and I have talked so much about what comes next, what's our next chapter, and truthfully, we've ran the gamut of, you know, maybe I stay home and get more time with the kids and catch up on some uh, missed moments in their young lives and, and Kelly, who's had to sacrifice so much so that I could chase my dreams and play hockey, uh, you know, across the country, can chase some of her dreams that she's had to put by the wayside for so many years, uh, all the way to, do I go back to law school and chase that old dream that I had um, when I was back in school and try to do something philanthropic with a, a law degree? So uh, to roll that all into one big messy ball, we have no clue. We don't know where it is. We don't know what it looks like. We're really living in the moment and enjoying every last second and every uh, moment that we have left as uh, NHL player and NHL player's wife before we transition into, you know, whatever that next chapter looks like. Let's say you come back to the Enterprise Center 10 years from now for a reunion and a son asks the father, who is David Backus? Um, you know, kind of a legacy question, I guess, that I've, I haven't really written it down onto what I hope it to be. And I, you know, truthfully, I don't think I get to write that down. I think my actions are what they are and other people are gonna you know, write who I was and what I did. And if it's something along the lines of, you know, led by example and left everything out there every night, um, you know, add on what you wish. But uh, those were my core principles of team first and left everything out on the ice every single shift. And if I didn't get a job done, it certainly wasn't for lack of effort or lack of desire or drive. It might have been for lack of skill, but um, so be it. And uh, I can be proud of that. All right, before we let you go, these are some quick uh, hit and run questions. And you uh -oh. can't, here we go. One member of the Blues you would want protecting your family. DJ King. 
one former teammate, if your daughter were of age, that you would allow uh, Colton Pareko. Nice. What hockey player would you like to be for one day? Connor McDavid, just to see what it's like to skate that fast and have all that skill. Chris Pronger said the same thing. <laughs> Your all-time favorite St. Louis Cardinal. Adam Wainwright. Who was your favorite coach to play for in St. Louis? Uh, he wasn't everybody's favorite coach to play for, but Ken Hitchcock was, uh, you know, an amazing coach. And we saw a lot of things the same way. And, um, you know, I think we had some good success together as well. Your favorite restaurant in St. Louis? Um, the Tavern in town and country left there so many times stuffed to the gills that, uh, you know, I've after appetizers, we were thinking about canceling the rest of our order or getting it to go, but never a bad meal there. Your wife, Kelly's knowledge of hockey on a one to 10. She played hockey, uh, up through high school. So she has a lot of hockey knowledge. Um, she's kept it out of our relationship and that's kept our relationship healthy, I think. Um, but she's, 960 some games that I've played. She's seen a lot of them, especially the home games. So, uh, you know, her desire to go watch more hockey, I think has dwindled over the years. But has she given you a critique, your wife? Yeah, normally, kill me for saying this, but normally it's along the lines of, don't just go out there and hit people, skate and make plays and play with the puck. And I'm like, I get it, honey, but sometimes that's easier said than done, and it's easier to just hit people and, and try to bully them a little bit. How many animals in the Bacchus house now? Uh, well, I've been home for two or three days, so when I left home, there was two dogs and a cat uh, with the two kids. Just, uh, you know, the, the workload is increasing on the human side, so as the four dogs and two cats we had when we left St. Louis have unfortunately started to get older and pass away we haven't replaced them until three weeks ago we got a new puppy and uh, she's a handful best moment ever for you on the ice um i think that game seven at home beating chicago in the playoffs was uh was my highlight probably at the enterprise center or the scott trade center at the time Worst moment ever for you on the ice? Uh, I'll have to come back to that. I think, I don't know if it's a survival technique or just blocking those out, but I don't know that I have one that sticks out that was above the rest. There's some learning experiences, but I chalk them up to learning experiences much more than I do terrible moments that I want to forget. I like it. All right. Word association. Word association. First word that comes into your mind when you hear the player. Uh, blue, bleeds blue. Brett Hall. Goal scorer. Doug Armstrong. Architect. PJ Ocean. Beauty. Ken Hitchcock. Muskrat. And finally, describe in a couple of sentences what it was like to be on the ice on a Saturday night, packed house at the Enterprise Center. Oh, 
it was that was the best. Uh, the fans giving us uh, tons of energy, knowing that they would cheer as loud for a big hit as they would for a goal, and just wanting to give them, you know, a win first and foremost, but a great show, and to you know, pummel our opposition into submission. Uh, goosebumps right now thinking about it. And then one final thought, this is not a quick one, but uh, my producer wants me to ask, do you have one good Bob Plager story for us? Uh, Bob Plager, I guess my introduction to him was at the, there was always an alumni tournament, fantasy tournament where preseason right before camp started, it was always in Chesterfield where you'd go there and uh, a couple of the current Blues would get onto a team with a couple of, or with a few beer leaguers and you'd play and they'd hand out a trophy and the alumni would really assimilate with the current players there. And uh, I remember Bobby coming up to me and telling me stories uh, about the old days and him locking himself in a room in Philadelphia uh, after going into the stands to try to chase some people down in the stands and the cops trying to find him and they were hiding. And to me, it was, it was made up because it was just so outlandish, but true story. Uh, he liked to sensationalize them and then he would follow it up with, uh, something probably over the lines and inappropriate, but you love Bobby for, for all those uh, stories he'd tell. Last thought. Um, it's really cool that mom and dad are going to try to be with you here if this is the end. What does it mean to have mom and dad with you maybe in the stretch run of your career? Well, they've, they've been, me, been with me for the whole, my whole career. Uh, you know, obviously they, they raised me with... Uh, down, down to earth Midwest values and, uh, you know, been my biggest supporters and carried me along to all the youth hockey events that hockey moms and hockey dads do and sacrifice a lot so I could play this game and um, to bring them along the ride, bring them, bring them to a couple Olympics, uh, have them in town and live and kind of see a little glimpse into what my life was with some father trips and mother's trips on the road. And then, uh, you know, if it is my last game to have them here to, to enjoy, you know, one more memory of me on the ice doing what I love to do. Uh, you know, I hope they're uh, having the same sort of pride in, in what I've been able to accomplish as, as I have in, in every moment doing it. Thanks for joining us, everyone, for this week's episode of Sports Plus. Be sure to download and subscribe as well as rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great week, everybody.